0: Hello everyone and welcome back to the second episode of Interactive's podcast by this generation of MA Interactive Journalism students at City, University of London, where we give you a weekly roundup of the biggest social media headlines affecting social media teams in the newsroom. I'm your host Olivia Burney and this week I'm joined by Oliver Barsby and Gemma Farrell who update us on Meta's most viewed content, the role of social media in the Ukraine war and Archant's move to digital editions of their life magazines. We'll tell you how these headlines affect you and your job. Help to help you work efficiently and effectively. So, grab yourself a tea or coffee or catch up with your emails, and we'll get you up to date on all the news you need to know to reach your social media target. Hi, Ollie. uh, What have you got for us today?
1: Hello, thanks for having me, Olivia. Uh, I'm happy to be here. My first story is about Meta um, or Facebook. Um, So, earlier this week, Meta released in sort of its transparency. Um, Post its most widely viewed articles and content and pages on Facebook during quarter four of 2021. Um, So a lot of social media journalists have done some deep diving into this. And the one thing they found pretty interesting is that the most viewed page of Facebook in Q4 2021 had 121 million views. Um, It was removed by Facebook for violating community standards. Um, So I think there's been a lot of questions about how Facebook managed to allow this page, which violated its community standards, to get so far up in this ranking. Um, I mean, it's bold to even include it in the first place on this uh, um, list. I guess that's quite transparent. But I guess a lot of social media editors at the moment are wondering, it does raise those questions about, does Facebook promote... Questionable content—is it still promoting right-wing alt-right um, content more? There is still this debate and ongoing discussion. Um, so yeah, I guess let's open it up to you two, Olivia and Gemma, or your thoughts. I
0: was just wondering I if thought- we knew who the um, what well, who the piece of.
1: Um, So I did try and find out who it was by clicking the link, but the link is broken. It just says this content isn't available anymore. Um, But there is a journalist at NBC, um, Ben Collins, and he did contact Meta to try and find out who it was, but they refused to tell him.
2: So not so transparent then. What I thought was really interesting about that article was that news content has to compete with spam and junk and recipes on Facebook, which are getting so much of the views, so many of the clicks. Like how can news content compete with so much spam on Facebook? I don't know. It
1: it is tough. It is tough because again, that report also showed that pages, um, you know, just basic pages are getting a tiny slither of all the traffic. A lot of it apparently is 50% just from friends and family, but there's been a rise in the amount coming from groups. Um so I think that's one thing definitely to look out for in the future. Uh, the rise of Facebook groups for sharing news. Um, Again, it's quite hard to do that organically unless you own that group because it's almost like a subreddit in one way, like a community. If you just come in there dumping all your news in, you'll immediately get kicked out. So it's definitely something social media editors need to figure out how to do. Do they embed themselves in these communities? Do they try and create new pages themselves, new groups themselves? Um, That's one to figure out.
0: Sharing the the personal post that could be news articles as well though couldn't it? So if if someone personal to show you shared that, it would be an option.
2: Yeah. If you can manage to do that. Probably worth noting that it's Facebook's kind of dominance is is on the decline. So maybe it doesn't matter so much that news content isn't really getting through on Facebook because that's not where people really are anymore
1: exactly yep it's you know this was q4 um 2021 i think when they released some results from it um the q4 in january i think it was that was when it led to their big stock price crash so this is probably being yeah uh, this is just a transparency one but it does obviously reflect the decline in um in users of course it is still one of the most dominant platforms uh one which journalists do still rely on a lot but yeah it's interesting to see what'll happen next with it
2: Okay, let's move on to Gemma. Gemma, what have you got for us? So, of course, you can't not look at Ukraine and the current crisis going on and war between Ukraine and Russia. And it's playing out really interestingly online and social media is having a huge impact on how people are seeing the war happen before their eyes. But it's being used in, in different ways and for different means. So you have people like, President Zelensky, who was using it to kind of mobilise support to combat propaganda. But it is being used for propaganda. It's being used to spread information, misinformation deliberately and also accidentally because people share things and they don't realise that it's not been fact checked, that it's not credible. So this is a really interesting development for social media. It's the first war that's playing out to this extent um, especially in, in Europe, um, on social media. I think a number
0: of newsrooms were tripped up by some of that footage last weekend, weren't they? Do you have any tips for how newsrooms can notice these po- these uh, videos or pictures to see if they're misinformation or not?
2: I think it's becoming really, really difficult because just this week or at the weekend, Facebook banned uh, to anti-Ukrainian influence operations, which were deliberately creating user generated content to promote fake columnists. So you think something is getting engagement and it's not banned from Facebook, that it might be credible. So it's becoming increasingly difficult to know what's true and what's not. We saw videos um, being promoted online, like um, of planes being shot down that actually were from video games. But by the time these things are fact-checked, they're already out there. There, People have seen it. It's gotten, you know, 400,000 views. And you can't take that back, really. People have seen it. So newsrooms, and particularly even when you're just retweeting content, you need to be so careful that this person has verified where it's from. So getting things from reliable, verified sources, verified accounts on Twitter, and just thinking before you post, I think, is becoming really important.
1: Exactly. I think, you know, to their credit, there are a lot of journalists out there who've done some really good work with this verification. Um, I think I saw a, one journalist, I can't remember who, who, you know, was looking at a video and compar- it's all comparing it to Google Maps, trying to figure out, is this building here? Where are these lined on the road? Is this where it claims to be? Um, so there's a lot of hard work going into combating this misinformation from journalists. But obviously, when, this, when there's this rush for information and there's, it's this big event, which has obviously got a lot of attention, a lot of eyes on it, there is that underlying, not desire, but that underlying sort of risk of trying to be the first to get out this new story by posting unverified information. And I think it ultimately will and can cause a lot of harm.
2: I think if you want to check out the interactive TikTok, which is inter- at interactive underscore, um, we did, Kaylon, one of our interactive colleagues, did a very good explainer on how to spot fake news relating to the conflict. So I definitely check that out.
0: I think Bell and Cat also have some really good resources on fake news and misinformation. So they're another source to check out. We'll put links to both of those in the show notes.
1: I guess as well on the Ukraine. Um, It is now one of these, another high-attention events where the whole world seems to have just stopped and dropped every other piece of news just to cover this. And I guess there is this danger of the burnout, of the news avoidance. I can't tell you how many notifications I've had today from various news outlets on my phone about the, the latest goings on. And it does, I think I'm probably not alone. I know, obviously, this is something which other journalists need to be aware of for their audiences of this sort of danger of over saturating and oversharing this, uh, all this content, because it can be quite distressing for your readers. You know, it can be quite an issue. Um So I guess it is something which I guess we might need to be aware of in terms of just trying to combat this news avoidance, um, which could be coming out with whether that's through promoting other stories alongside it, um, Having dedicated spaces where you don't talk about certain issues, or where you just try and talk about other things, not because it doesn't matter, of course, but just because there are, obviously people do want to break and do occasionally want to switch off, whether that's through playing video games, listening to music, or reading about something else which is going on in the
2: world. I think it will be really interesting to see what kind of strategies social media teams take uh, on this. Whether they continue wall-to-wall Ukraine coverage, or whether some people realize that you need to have other content. And it will be interesting to see who kind of breaks ranks with that first, who kind of tones down the Ukraine, because inevitably it might go on for a long time. Who who kind of moves away from it and into other things first? And I think I'll it's be interesting to keep an eye on how well that social strategy works.
0: Okay, so our final story um is about auction and they have moved of our subscribers of the life magazines, their regional um, magazines like Devon Life and Somerset Life, um, to switch to an eco digital subscription rather than a traditional print one, and they're classing this as like a an eco move, um, alongside also saying we'll save paper and obviously also save money. Um, and it's been interesting considering if more publications will follow suit um, or not and if this is just an excuse to have the
2: same revenue but
0: save money on production.
2: One thing I think is really interesting in in this article is towards the end the people from Archant admit that the takeoff on their app to read the subscription online has been really low which says a lot and you can pick up a lot about the kind of habits of users, depending on the kind of demographic who are going to be reading your publication, maybe the people who read Cheshire Life or Cotswold Life isn't particularly adept at downloading apps and knowing how to get a subscription on their iPad. Um, so taking that into account, as a as a publication seems to be really important, and this could backfire. Oh, exactly. I mean, yeah.
0: At least it's an option. And it's not a uh, you have to at this point. Um, yeah. So there's an opportunity for people to not choose that, I guess.
1: Yeah. I think there'll be a lot of, there probably will be quite a few other publications, other um, publishers looking at Archon now. And they will be assessing how it works and how effective it is because they might actually have a similar strategy that down the line they might be forced to take. Um, so I guess they will be weighing up the costs and the, um, you know, the, costs and benefits of this move so i think you know i can't say publish off the top of my head but i won't be surprised if if this does go quite badly places will use it as a case study and as a reason you know audience teams might say no this is why we do need this print publication or why we do need to make this move um, but i guess it is too early to say um, for archant
0: and obviously it depends on the continued costs and prices of things if we continue to see not to mention the Ukrainian war too much, but that will drive up prices probably even higher with the oil prices soaring. So maybe it's worse and worse situation, the more the need, I don't know.
1: Exactly. And I think just going back to what Gemma was saying about the audience and the ones who were using, who are reading these magazines, perhaps might not be the best demographic for these online ups. I think it does go back to that sort of, putting the audience first you know often it doesn't matter what the demographic is they just don't like change you know you in that habit. Mm. you get your magazine every week at the same day you do the same thing you you know you sit down you have a cup of coffee you read your life magazine and you know you get to flick through the pages having it appear on your ipad you know midnight of a day releases that might you know as small as that is people might not want to do that you know it, it's not just for magazines it goes across anything it can be something as small as moving a forum from yeah. um, a website to discord you know it can be some closing down a comment section it could be you know it could be something just like changing the font on a website all these things you've got to consider how your audience will react to them before you do it rather than just how it'll affect your work and your life and your bottom line Um so lots you know that's why i guess the audience team does need to be Quite at the core of a lot of decisions, all considered.
2: I know we've spoken a lot about heavy stuff today, so if you're looking for something lighter, why not check out the Interactives TikTok we already mentioned at Interactives underscore? And it's a really fun day in the life, so you can see exactly what we do here at City okay
0: that's all for today folks you're now up to date with everything you need to know for the week thank you for listening and we'll be back on friday at 8 a.m till then please subscribe to our podcast on soundcloud leave us a review and recommend interactives to anyone you think will find it useful for more on the interactives check out our website or come find us on twitter linkedin instagram and tiktok thank you